Hey everybody, this is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to encourage everybody to go listen to the episode I did all about the live-action Tokyo Vice adaptation. Um, the, that adaptation is interesting, to say the least. It's beautifully shot. It's a Michael Mann production. Um, so definitely, definitely go check out that episode and check that show out if you have it on HBO Max because it's worth it just to get some like good 90s Tokyo in your eyeballs like that's just a good thing to do um but on that note what I want to talk about today is something that popped in my brain and it's been sitting in my brain for a while because of the Crunchyroll Funimation merger but has been like brought up because of comments um, that Daryl made on... That not only Daryl made, but Daryl made on um, the Anime World Order podcast this most recent episode, which came out, like, the, the week before you're hearing this, if you're listening to this on the, um, day, it come, on the day the podcast drops. But the long and short of it is... And I, I also, like, this also came to me via TikTok, more and more people are starting to complain about how much money is being made around the anime industry and how little money is going to the people the people who make it possible for all of us to watch anime. The the translators, the voice actors, and certainly the animators. And part of that is because And part of that is because the world has changed since the days of the since the days of the bursting of the anime bubble and even the days of the anime bubble. So to kind of illustrate this, I want to um, I want to read you a little something from um, of all things um, Wikipedia. Crunchyroll started in 2006 of, as a for-profit video upload streaming service that's, streaming site that specialized in in hosting East Asian content. Now, I want to call something out there. It, a, it said for-profit, which means that you could always subscribe to Crunchyroll. There was always a Crunchyroll subscription. I think originally it was like something like a $6 subscription. And that was the only way, that was the only option. You, there weren't tiers yet. They came significantly later. But also I wanted to point out that it's ho- specialized in hosting all East Asian content. What that means, and you've probably forgotten about this, or you weren't subscribed to Crunchyroll didn't even know about Crunchyroll back then is they didn't just host anime they hosted East Asian dramas like um I don't think they had any Chinese dramas on there but I know they had Korean dramas on there certainly and certainly had Japanese dramas you used to be able to go see any kind of like big or even like medium size Japanese dramas on Crunchyroll back in 2006 when it started and I, I'm, I'm questionable on the date of um, Crunchyroll starting there because 
I have weird memories of, well, maybe no, it was, it, it may have been 2006 when I pause and think about it, but anyway, and it, it goes on to say that, um, it had, that in 2008 it received, it received a, um, a capital investment of fourth of $4.5 million from um, from the venture capital firm, I believe it's um, Venrock. And what that allowed it to do was it allowed it to go after legal licenses. So I've, I've talked about this before, but it originally what Crunchyroll was doing was it was basically aggregating all of the fan subs into one place and you could pay you could pay for the privilege of not having to go to nine sites to watch anime every week you could just go to Crunchyroll and more than that it was um it was giving it was giving the the fandoms that were subtitling all these shows a way to get those shows out into the world without having to know that like and, and having fans like you and me have a place to go to to one site to see everything it was centralizing everything so that's how what Crunchyroll started and once Crunchyroll got the capital investment in 2008 when I graduated high school <laughs> Because I'm old, um, they the site emptied out, and they started to fill back up with legal licenses, and because they could go after legal licenses, that was the only way they could reasonably transition from you know doing everything illegally to paid is if they you know bucked up, got rid of most of their catalog, and restarted it again. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is because since then, since the since a comparatively little $4.5 million investment, the industry has changed because the thing that, the thing that happened to anime when the anime bu bubble burst was not that anime got less popular, it's that the world changed around anime. It changed from a analog world of DVD sales and of and sometimes VHS and laser disc sales to a digital world of you can get you can go online you can download a half hour of TV in a couple of minutes if you not even if you're really lucky if like that's just the standard thing you can still do that today all of that tech all of that um what's it called BitTorrent all the BitTorrent clients still exist. They are still, you can still use them. Trust me. Um, occasionally I'll bump into something that's lost into in license limbo or something that has like archival value, but isn't just didn't available outside of Japan or maybe even isn't available in Japan anymore. And you, you, you gotta go find it if you want it in any way, shape or form. But sometimes you just want a, like a file of something and I don't, if it, if I can go out and get it, gener 
with money and that money can be put into like a system of supporting just the industry not really like any specific part of the industry i will spend the money i will buy legally all this other stuff but that's where the um that's where that's kind of where the bubble started bursting is in the like when streaming when streaming became huge and it all fell apart there stopped being money in putting a dvd out in america and a couple million people buying it so what happened in between was sites like crunchyroll a pop crunchyroll specifically popped up and became kind of the netflix of anime anime leaving netflix out of the picture for now but in between 2008 and now the more than a decade that passed the industry has gotten really big again anime is something that now everybody watches there are an embarrassing amount of generally knockoff anime streetwear brands and all of this means that there's a real industry around the anime as an art form and anime as a medium, which means there's real money there. And what's, but what's propping it all up and what's allowing all these companies to make money is to make, to make real money is they're not paying the people on the, on the production side. They're not paying the animators. They're not paying the subtitlers. They're not paying. They're not paying the voice actors en enough, or what the content is worth being paid for. And one of the things that is an unfortunate, like universal cause of this is in in um say traditional show business like a Hollywood movie you have to oftentimes if you want to be an actor you move out to California California is an intensely left-wing state for the most part there are some pockets but for the most part it's a very liberal state and there's great there's things like the like the act like the hollywood actors guild and all this other stuff that makes sure that actors get paid what they're worth and actors get paid commensurate with what they're bringing to a stu to a studio budget movie and if you if you look at if you look at how that neg could negatively affect um movies look at something like ghost in the shell ghost in the shell they cast Scarlett Johansson because, not because they necessarily thought she was going to be the best version of the major. They cast her because they thought she would be a good version of the major. And if you looked at her previous acting, uh, at her previous roles, there's there's a there's a one plus one equals two there. But they also looked at the, her and they said she will make a good version of the character and 
she will bring in, um, you know, she'll put butts in seats. And I'm sure she was paid commensurate with that. Um, a fun financial fact about Scarlett Johansson is she keeps buying up expensive properties and selling them at, like, uncomfortable losses. And that might be, like, a weird tax-dodging thing, but, like, it's very funny. But that's neither here nor there. Um, the long and short of it is, is if an actor like Scarlett Johansson or George Clooney or any big-name actor you can think of goes and acts in a movie, they have a starting salary that they can waive, you know, in... um. That movie, um, like Mystery Island, the one with Jennifer Anderson where um, she's kidnapped by Daniel Radcliffe. Brad Pitt makes a, like a, makes a, I'm going to call it extended cameo in that movie. It, that's Jennifer Anderson calling Brad Pitt and being like, uh, we, we made, like, there's a part for you in this. Do you want it? And he may say, he's like, may sure say, like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll waive my, I'll waive my minimum for that because, like, I'm gonna be in it for a total of maybe 15 minutes of this like two-hour-long movie. I'm gonna eat that part alive, but like, it would be ridiculous to have me in it for that much. And when you see things like um, the an episode of that old Marvel TV show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where the after credit scene, which oftentimes tie into the, to the at the time, tied into the Marvel movies, Samuel Jackson shows up and, like, says something for, like, literally 10 seconds. They paid him his asking for that. <laughs> and that's the kind of power that voice actors in anime... And voice actors in, and especially like subtitlers for places like Crunchyroll don't have. They don't have this ability to command that they get like a standard rate because there is no standard rate. And one of the and one of the reasons why there's no standard rate is much of the industry exists in a very special, very big state. I always describe as going to is like going backwards. And that state is Texas. And Texas is one of many right-to-work states, which basically means that they can fuck over workers because they have the right to work but not employment, basically. Um, and there is no structure for, um, say... There's no union structure for, say, the people who write subtitles for, um, for what's it called? For anime. There is no union structure for, um, what's it called? Of voice actors for anime. There is a union structure in place for similar things. Um, I think the, um, when the, when Google, when Google employees were looking to join a union, they ended up actually joining like the steelworkers union <laughs> because that structure serves them best. But 
In the case of voice actors, there is SAG-AFTRA, which is a union specifically devoted to video game voice acting, which could be extended to something like anime voice acting. So you have a lot more protection around what you're getting paid. Because the thing that people don't... The thing that people often don't think about when they think about creative work is... Or... They think about it when they, when they think about, like, factory work. But they don't think about it when they think about creative work. I'm sitting in front of a brand new, gorgeous setup that I use to freely create kind of whatever I want. Um, from art to podcasts like this to anything in between. But I built this because podcasting is a hobby I really like and I want to support. And also digital art is a hobby I really like and want to support and like content creation and all that stuff. But when I'm at work and I'm working at my work desk, you know, I sit, you know, hunched over for hours in front of a computer. That takes a toll on my back, on my hands, on my eyes. I spend lots of time staring at backlit screens that's really bad for your eyes. And people have started to find this stuff out slowly but surely, not certainly not fast enough in um in the age of everybody works with computers and certainly in the age of everybody works with some sort of backlit screen. But what people don't think about is like for creatives, our hands, our you know, our eyes are some of the most valuable parts of what we do. A common, a common thing that creative people ha pick up who work in like media where they have to handle like proofs and stuff like that is they will constantly wash their hands. And the reason for that is if your hands are like oily or like have food on them or just like gross shit on them, and you're touching proofs to read, you're leaving that all over proofs constantly. So they literally teach us in school, like, hey, go wash your hands before you handle like your final project. You'll leave a stain on it. Trust me, that's how paper works. But there is also protections for like, if you have LASIK surgery, clearly you can't work. But also you're like paid commensurate where you can go have that LASIK surgery. You can take like a week off work or two weeks or like a week to a month off work and you won't die <laughs> because you and your employer understand that your eyes are valuable. The same is true of your voice and good, vo even okay voice actors are very talented at using their voice to convince you of something. If you listen to a voice actor like Steve Bloom, you can usually always tell it's Steve Bloom, but he sounds different for every character he voices. And every once in a while, you're like, hey, that's not a way it is. Look at that. He's in the credits. Um, and that's even true of like voice actors like Johnny on Bosch. Johnny on Bosch tells like, Particularly about Renchen from um, from Eureka Seven, he tells very funny stories on the extras 
in the Blu-ray about, like, I basically felt like I, I've had to, like, fuck up my voice for, like, good couple months voicing that character. Now, if they're only paid so much for that, and it's not enough, and they <clears throat> can't work for another month because they fucked up their voice playing a preteen kid who screamed a lot, then they should be paid more because what they're doing is they're sacrificing future earnings for a job right now. And a lot of anime has that has these like scream intensive roles. And that's really what they're asking. They're not asking for more money because they're making a ton of money. They're asking for more money because they may take a role and after they're done with it, they may not be able to take another role for a couple months. So my friend Kie, who recently had a birthday, just like I recently had a birthday. Hi Kie, happy birthday again. Um what asked me about like wanting to make more money and I said to her Remember, the reason why you made more money as a freelancer in New York was because you were living in New York City, which is one of the most expensive places to live in the world. And also, you weren't getting things like health insurance, like... You, you weren't getting certain things that you get guaranteed with a full-time job. It's part of the reason why you take the pay cut. It's because they're giving you healthcare and all this other stuff and also she lives in Japan now and raises and employment are a different thing there but also they just all have you know state a state variant of healthcare but on that note I I think it's really interesting that one of the things that all the people talking about this are focusing on isn't like hey we isn't just hey we deserve more money it's hey when all of this started when all of this showed up on the scene it was small ball it was you know fans subtitling things because for the love of the thing and to get it out there it was tape trading it was the days I used to meet my friend under a massive flowering tree to, like, trade DVDs and tapes and manga volumes. It was, my older sister stole your volumes of FLCL and she won't give them back until she's done. When is that? When she's done. I One of my favorite memories of manga trading with, um friends when I was in middle school um I later met that person's older sister and became better friends with that person's older sister than that person ultimately which was great um and like a funny coincidence but the whole thing of it is is that it isn't it isn't back in 2006 anymore the huge companies own all the anime streaming platforms. If you've noticed stuff that is licensed by um, Sentai just recently 
up and vanished off of Crunchyroll. And that's because Crunchyroll is now owned by the same people who own Funimation, Sony, and High Dive, Sentai streaming network, is owned by AMC Networks, American Movie Classics, the big, the people who produce The Walking Dead, The Mad Men, Breaking Bad. We're no longer in the land of like little of like little things like ADV or Genion, which, to be clear, were not small operations, but they were small in comparison to Sony. They were small in comparison to um, to a- AMC. But the thing I want to bring up here, the last thing I want to bring up here, is you we could probably could have seen this coming. And the reason why we could have seen this coming is we could have seen this coming because back when the DVD market really crashed, when DVDs were just not moving, there was one vertical of DVDs uh, that was moving and, and has always moved and will kind of always move. And that was niche collector markets. And one of the best niche collector markets, hilariously, is anime. We are trained just because, especially the old, the olds of us, although we have moved, the fandom has moved away from that as it has gotten, stayed younger and as streaming has proliferated. Um, we are trained, especially the old, like I said, especially the old Taku of us, to buy what we like. If we see something, if we see the totality of a series, and we're like, oh, I really like that. I would watch that again. We'll just buy it. Or if we find something interesting and we want, like, extras, we'll just buy it. I just talked about, like, if I can buy something, like, legally, I will... I have an impressive... I've racked up quietly an impressive amount of money just thrown at right stuff over a couple... over the past couple years because I just want certain things and the what just happened the anime industry attracted people like universal because to license anime because that was one of the growing markets in the physical media space it was it wasn't just growing it was like exceeding growth numbers in ways that people didn't expect. So, just keep all that in mind when you think, like, how did we get here? We were always kind of on the way here because these companies need to keep making money and anime was always getting more and more popular, even if it was quietly. And it still freaks me out as a young, as, as an old anime fan who remembers, like, reading my big ass volume one of Ranma in high school and people being like, what are you reading? Or reading the first, I, I forget which volume of Love Hina, of the 14 of Love Hina, volumes of Love Hina it was, but I like got caught reading Love Hina and just hear me say that out loud, got caught reading Love Hina in, um, I think it was study hall in middle school and like, they yelled at me, like, 
my teacher told me to put that away or she's going to send me to, or she's going to give me detention. I was like, okay, weirdo. It's a comic book. Calm down. But, um, you know, that, that the world, how the world has changed. Although I'm pretty sure Love Hina would still raise the, the Love Hina manga would still raise the eyebrows if you were reading it in a school setting. Um, but, I know, I just, I, these are big problems that need to get solved because the, the thing that, the thing that people forget and the thing that, com that these companies are making money at the cost of is the future of the medium. Because if there's no money in subtitling anime, yes, there will probably always be people who do it for relatively little, but it will eventually teeter out. You won't have people who are willing to do it because they're only making like eight bucks an episode when they should be making like a hundred dollars an episode. And, you know, voice actor will, you'll start to see, a, and you probably, if you look closely, already do see a huge amount of burnout among voice actors because they're ruining their instruments doing this work. And just, just remember to think about that the next time you watch, like, the latest episode of Spy Family, that the... You getting that a week later means that a whole bunch of people were pushed, or you getting that day and date even with the uh, subtitles, you getting that so quickly, regardless, means that tons of people were pushed to their limit to make that episode show up in the Crunchyroll feed and play at your eyeballs. And yes, passion factored into all of this work. But you can't pay the bills with passion. You Like, passion won't heal your horse throat. And it's important to remember this stuff because now that we have, like, all, all these anime companies funneling into kind of two, into really two streaming services, you know, High Dive and Funimation... We should be asking more of those streaming services. We should be asking them to pay living, to pay people who, who they employ, even if it's only um, freelancers, living wages. Because in reality, there are freelancers, but much like Uber drivers, who else would they work for? Kind of nobody. Or, you know, pay living wages. You know, maybe, maybe we're okay with getting something a day later, if it means that, like, somebody doesn't have to work through the night for what will amount to eight bucks to get something out. Because they probably use all, they probably lean on all these levers and apply pressure to people to make sure they can make the breakneck pace of simulcasting, of, you know, one week later dubs. And that's a, that's not, that's not great. And it, it's not sustainable either. And that's that's the thing that... That's the thing that people always forget. Is that, like... 
this kind of industry isn't sustainable. If you look at the original anime bubble when it burst back in the early aughts, you'll find this like rampant practice of um of attachment like what they call attachment licensing, and that was shows that Japan could move. What they would do is they would say like, "Oh, you want to license this show." This show has an audience, and like we know it, you know it. To get this show, you're going to have to pay us extra more to license this other show, which is essentially trash. But you'll put it out because you need to make any money on it because you paid more than you should have paid at all for both of these shows. And that's led to like deeply weird things that like I'm thankful came out in America coming out. But, like, didn't really have a audience in America. And everybody always wondered. And eventually, if you had any brain in your head or, like, knew people who knew, like, oh, that would probably, like, bundled in with, like, the license for... And this, for Dragon Ball Z would probably its own license, Katoe. Um, but that was probably bundled in with Dragon Ball Z because one year because... Toei couldn't move it. <laughs> and that kind of stuff is probably happening now. And is pumping up this industry. But the people who should be getting the money are not. The the animators, the subtitlers, the voice actors, the people who like pull all of this shit together and make it a final product are not getting the money. The C-suite, the like executives of these companies and like the top end of the directors of the like animation directors are like probably the last people to see the money there. And that's not great. It's just not great. So um, on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes, come out every third day and Sunday. The Sunday episodes are like this. They're more metatextual. They're more me thinking about the industry, the fandom, um, all this other stuff. Um, and then these third day episodes are more about an anime or something anime adjacent, like the Tokyo Vice episode, which you should go listen to. It's the episode in the feed before this one. And um, I will talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>